The following is a sermon preached at the First Presbyterian Church of Jackson, Mississippi. Well, as uh, you've seen uh, this morning and uh, around the church over the last couple of weeks, our teaching theme this year is a lamp to our feet, knowing and loving the Word of God. And in service of that theme, we are looking at the teaching of Psalm 119, which we sang together a few moments ago, and we'll be working through Lord's Day morning by Lord's Day morning. It is an extended meditation, excuse me, an extended meditation on Holy Scripture in the form of a long prayer entirely addressed to God. Today we're thinking about the second stanza of the 22 stanzas of Psalm 119, each line of which in this stanza begins, as you'll see from the heading in your English Bibles, with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the letter Bait. Now, the reference to the young man with which this section opens there in verse 9 stands out right away, doesn't it? How can a young man keep his way pure? So, this whole stanza focuses on holiness acquired early. Not holiness delayed down the line when I get older and I've lived a little, but holiness acquired early. You remember that the psalmist is likely living in Babylonian exile, so he's living in a hostile culture. And he knows, especially given the opposition to the biblical worldview that he faces there every day, he knows that cultivating habits of godliness early in life is vital if believers are not to be swept away by the distortions and deceptions of the world. The foundations we lay in our youth often shape the trajectory of our whole lives. And in the providence of God, it seems to me a wonderfully, that seems to me a wonderfully timely word for us. Right now here at First Presbyterian Church, we have lots of young men and women arriving in town to start college at Belhaven or at Millsaps, or they're beginning medical training at University Medical Center. We have covenant children in our church beginning new schools or returning to old ones in the last few weeks. We've just introduced to you teachers and new families starting here at our own school. And so the psalmist's question with which this portion of the psalm opens could not be more relevant, could it? How shall a young person keep their way pure? How do we cultivate holiness, real godliness, in a hostile culture. Answering that question really is part of the point, the central point of verses 9 through 16. Of course, the answers the psalmist gives apply equally well to all of us at every stage of life. How do I keep my way pure? Really ought to be a pressing question on the heart of every sincere believer, whether you've only just begun in the Christian life, or you've been following Jesus for decades. I I want to be godly. How do I do that? How shall I keep my ways pure? If you look at the text, 
you'll notice the structure of the passage with me just for a moment. As we've seen, the stanza begins with a question followed immediately with its fundamental answer. So look at verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? There's the question. The answer, by guarding it according to your word. So the word of God is the means that the Lord has provided for keeping our ways pure. Jesus says the same thing, doesn't he? He told his disciples, John chapter 15, verse 3, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So the word is the source of their cleanliness, their spiritual purity. He prays to his father, John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So how do we get sanctified? How do we become holy? How are we made clean? How shall we keep our ways pure? By taking heed to God's Word and guarding our ways by God's Word. And the rest of this stanza drills down on that truth. Actually, the psalmist gives us a seven-step program for using our Bibles to help us grow in holiness. All right, so brace yourselves. This is a seven-point sermon. Actually, you think I preach three-point sermons. They're all seven-point sermons. There's, there's points within points. I'm just being honest about it this time. Um, seven steps for how to grow in godliness using your Bible. Let me just simply list the seven steps, and then we'll pray and read the passage and begin to unpack them each in turn. So, seven steps for using the Bible to help you grow in holiness. Ready? Step one, supplication. That's in verse 10. Praying, seeking God with all our hearts. Step two, memorization. Verse 11, storing up God's Word in our hearts. Step three, instruction. Verse 12, praying, oh God, I need you to teach me. Then proclamation, verse 13, I declare your word to others. I'm not keeping it to myself. Exaltation, verse 14, he delights in the word of God more than in all riches. Meditation, verse 15, I'm pondering, reflecting, chewing on, soaking in the word of God. And finally, step six, uh, step six, six, seven. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. Step seven, verse 16, recollection. He's never going to forget it now that it has penetrated all the way to the core of his being. I will not forget your words. All right, so seven steps, supplication, memorization, instruction, proclamation, exaltation, meditation, and recollection. That's where we're going before we look at each of those. Let's pause and pray and ask for the Lord to help us. Let us pray. Our Father, uh, we need your help. And so, with the psalmist, we pray, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes for Jesus' sake. Amen. Psalm 119 at verse 9, this is the Word of God. How can a young man keep his way pure? 
by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Amen. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Well, all right, how do I do that? How do I guard my way according to God's word? First of all, you do it by supplication. The psalmist is praying here, isn't he? He is seeking God. That's what supplication means. Verse 10, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And isn't that an important balancing point in a psalm about the Bible? The Bible is only the means. God Himself is the ends. We know God by the Bible, but the Bible isn't God. And so the psalmist understands as he devotes himself to the study of the Scriptures, his objective is God Himself. He's he's missing the point. We are missing the point of reading the Scriptures if all we think we need is a knowledge of Bible truth, of raw data. And we're not led by those truths to God Himself who speaks to us in His Holy Word. Head knowledge is not holiness. Seminarians take note Head knowledge is not holiness. Holiness, purity, is knowing God personally, intimately, for yourself. With my whole heart, I seek you. Not merely facts about you, but you yourself. And don't miss the dynamic at play between the end of verse 9 And verse 10, in verse 9, the psalmist says, I'm going to keep my ways pure by means of the Word of God. In verse 10, he asks God not to let him stray from the path of his commandments. And we need both perspectives, don't we? We keep ourselves by the Word, and we need God to keep us in the Word. So open your Bibles and seek the Lord with all your heart. Call upon Him, pray, and plead for His help. And as you do, I want you to remember His promise, Jeremiah 29, 13, that uses language, or actually the psalmist uses language that echoes this promise from Jeremiah 29, 13, where God promises His people, you will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your hearts. What a promise. What an incentive to seek him with all your hearts. If you seek him with all your heart, you'll find him. He promises that you will find him. So seek him.
Alec Matier suggests that the phrase, I will seek you in verse 10, means something like, I will be where you are to be found. I will be where you are to be found. That's how we will keep our ways pure. Look for God and be where He is to be found. Now, where is He to be found? Well, certainly, you will find Him in the Scriptures, but we can be a little bit more specific than that, can't we? We can find Him uniquely and specifically in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the focus and the heart of the message of the whole Bible, His person and His work. So, seek God in the Scriptures. Seek Him in His gospel. Seek Him on your knees. Seek Him with all your heart, but be sure to seek Him in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where you're going to find Him, where He promises to make Himself available to you, to be known by you. Seek Him and find Him when you seek Him with all your heart, when you seek Him in Christ. And just understand, too, that as you seek the Lord Jesus, He first sought you. Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, obeying the commandments of God, dying in place of sinners who disobey the commandment of God. All of that so that in Jesus Christ, when we seek Him with all our hearts, we might find grace upon grace to help us keep our ways pure. Supplication, that's what he's doing. He's seeking the Lord with all his heart. Seek him. Call upon him. What more assurance could you possibly need that your cries and your supplications to Jesus Christ will meet with a ready welcome than the realization that long before you ever thought to seek him, he came already seeking you? I sought the Lord, and afterwards... I knew He moved my soul to seek Him, seeking me. It was not I that found, O Savior true, no, I was found of Thee. How do we keep our ways according to God's words? Supplication, seek the Lord with all your heart. Secondly, we keep our ways, the psalmist says, by memorization. Look at verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'd hazard a guess that memorization has to be one of the most neglected disciplines in our Christian lives today. But the psalmist says, storing up the Scriptures, memorizing the Bible, is a mighty weapon against the sin that continues to fester even in our believing hearts. By the way, the expression stored up there in verse 11, that's a a good translation, provided we realize the term is used for objects of great value. That's why some translations say something like, I have treasured your words in my heart. The, The Word of God is precious. It's treasure. I wonder if that's how you view it the way you use your Bible reflects the value you really assign to it. Could anyone, could a fly on the wall watching your day, 
conclude that you treasure the Word of God, that it's precious to you from the way that you prioritize it and study it and memorize it and dwell on it and shape your life by it? Or is it really the case that no matter how important you say the Bible is in your life, your relative neglect of the Word of God actually tells a different story? It's not treasure to you, not really. Hebrew scholars point out that the word translated here, store up, has the connotation of intent, of purpose. It's a storing up of something important or valuable with a view to its later use. So so don't think of some neglected old thing you've never used, you know, that you put in a cardboard box and dump in your attic to be forgotten. Don't look at me blankly. I know you have a few of those boxes in your attics. Uh, And then you have to move house, as I've done recently, and you're cleaning out, and there in some neglected corner you find it gathering dust. And you think, well, why in the world have I kept this here in this box? All these, I never even knew it was here, this, this old piece of junk, and you throw it out. That's pointless storage. And that's not how we are to store up the Word of God. The psalmist is not interested in memorization for its own sake, as a sort of academic exercise, as an end in itself, as a competition with other people. Now, really, the image here is a bank account accumulating steadily, added to diligently. We keep making deposits, saving faithfully until we can afford that vital purchase we've been saving for. We're we're saving it in order to spend it on something that really counts. The Word of God is treasure, and we're to store it up in our hearts, remembering it, memorizing it, in order to spend it on what really counts. The psalmist says, actually, we're investing in holiness, in a life that looks more and more like Jesus Christ. I have stored up in your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Don't just read it. Fill the shelves of your memory with the word. And you'll find again and again when temptation comes, when doubts begin to assail you, when error begins to appear plausible to you, when the black dog of depression haunts your steps, you'll find again and again verses of Scripture coming unbidden to your memory under the blessing and help of the Holy Spirit, speaking to your need, helping you fend off the onslaught, enabling you to stand firm. If in our spiritual warfare we are to wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, we need to stock the armory of our memories with the Bible so that we have ready weapons on hand with which to fight. Memorize the Scriptures, the psalmist is saying. Start with Psalm 1. We're going to sing it at the end of this service. We've used it in various places. We're going to recite it together tonight. It's here in the booklet. We're trying to memorize it together as a congregation. Store it up in your memory, and let's see how God will begin to use it for His glory and our growth in grace together as a congregation. 
in the days to come. Supplication, memorization. Thirdly, instruction. Verse 12, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. One of the commentators amplifies the message of the psalmist here like this. He says, it is my responsibility to learn what Yahweh has laid down, but I need Yahweh to enable me to learn because I have instincts that drive me in other directions. Isn't that how it is for you? That's how it is for me. I need the Lord to enable me to learn because honestly, I have instincts that drive me in other directions. The blessed Lord, the psalmist knows, is his best teacher. The Lord is his his best teacher. Actually, divine instruction. This is thrilling to me. Jesus says divine instruction, God our teacher, is one of the principal blessings that belong to Christians in the new covenant age in which we live. God is your teacher, God Himself, by the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That last phrase is really important, by the way. You'll bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. It is the Spirit's particular ministry as He teaches us the Word, illuminating our understanding, applying the Word to our hearts and lives, constantly to bring us back to Jesus Christ. So, John 16, 14, Jesus said, speaking about this teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit in a Christian's life, He shall glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. He will glorify me. How will He do that? He'll do it by teaching you my Word. Uh, J.I. Packer was once walking to church on his way to preach actually on those very words from John 16, 14. He shall glorify me he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Uh, I remember seeing the building floodlit as I turned a corner, Packer writes, and realizing this was exactly the illustration my ministry needed. When floodlighting is well done, the floodlights are so placed that you do not see them. You're not, in fact, supposed to see where the light is coming from. What you're meant to see is just the building on which the floodlights are trained. The intended effect is to make it visible when otherwise it would not be seen for the darkness and to maximize its dignity by throwing all its details into relief so that you see it properly. This perfectly illustrates the Spirit's new covenant role. He is, so to speak, the hidden floodlight shining on the Savior. Or think of it this way, says Packer. It's as if the Spirit stands behind us throwing light over our shoulder on Jesus who stands facing us. The Spirit's message is never, look at me, listen to me, come to me, get to know me, but always look at Him and see His glory. Listen to Him and hear His words. Go to Him and have life. Get to know Him and taste His gift of joy and peace. That is the divine teaching that we need for which the psalmist is praying. He wants to keep his way pure according to the Word, and he does it first by supplication. He seeks God with all his heart. 
He does it by memorization. He's storing up the Word in his heart that he might not sin against the Lord. And he does it by seeking the divine instruction. He wants God to shine the floodlight of the Holy Spirit upon the Lord Jesus Christ through his words. And all of that leads to a fourth thing. Look at verse 13. He keeps his way pure by the word, this time through the discipline of proclamation. So, supplication, memorization, instruction, now proclamation. You see that in verse 13? With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. The heart, well stocked with the stores of the Word of God in verse 11, and the mind taught and instructed in the Word by the Spirit of God in verse 12, now overflow the heart and mind. They bubble up and open our lips so that we speak out and declare the Word of God to others. When God works His Word into us, we cannot and ought not keep it to ourselves. John Golden Gay, I think, helpfully says here, proclaiming God's words is another indication of my commitment to them. While it does not guarantee that commitment, human beings can say one thing and do another, it makes it harder to evade it. When we take things on our lips, they become part of us. When other people have heard us say these things, it becomes shameful to do something other than what our lips have said. You tracking with that? When we take things on our lips, they become part of us. When other people have heard us say these things, it becomes shameful to do something other than what our lips have said. In other words, one important way to lock yourself into life according to the Word of God is to proclaim it to other people, to tell them what God is teaching you from the Scriptures. Don't keep it to yourself. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. Supplication, memorization, instruction, proclamation. Then fifthly, exaltation. The psalmist exalts in the Scriptures. He delights in it. Verse 14, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. You remember Jesus said, Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you remember that? The more the psalmist has gotten to know the Word of God, the more he's come to treasure it. Like, it. like it was all the gold in Fort Knox. And the result is, the Word has come to capture his heart and shape his life. You remember the last line of Luther's famous, famous A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Psalmist is say, uh, uh, Luther, rather, is saying, I, I, I'll give it all up. Let them take it all. What is it that gets someone to that place of radical submission to the will of God, no matter the cost? Radical Christian sacrifice, goods and kindred, let them go. Even my life, I'll lay it down. How do you get to that place? The psalmist is saying, you learn to value the Word of God more than all riches. 
you see that having this book in your hand, in your heart, on your lips, directing your steps, leading you to Christ, is worth more than anything you will ever possess. And when it captures your heart, you gladly lay all else down that you might have it. That's what Luther says, actually. You remember that word above all earthly powers? No thanks to them abideth the Spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth let goods and kindred go. That word, so precious, that's how I lay it all down and let it all go. If you exult in the words, you will live by the words and let all else go if need be. But if you live for riches, you'll never keep your way pure according to God's words. Never. Supplication, memorization, proclamation, exaltation. And sixthly, meditation. Look at verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your way. Let's be clear. Biblical meditation has nothing to do with emptying your mind. It's not about breathing. It's not about mindfulness. It's not about an altered state of consciousness. That's often what we think of with the word meditation, something Eastern. That, that's not at all what the psalmist has in mind. Christian meditation means to chew on the Word of God. The Hebrew word translated meditate has this idea of murmuring to yourself, muttering quietly under your breath as you rehearse the truth of the Word, mulling it over in high school, I had a friend. He was a really sweet guy, but he had a really quirky habit. Uh, whenever he was chewing, with every bite, he would vocalize. He had no idea he was doing it. It was really off-putting and distracting. You know, you're about to take a bite of a hamburger or something, and he's going, completely oblivious to it. But that actually is pretty close to what the Scriptures are talking about when they're talking about meditation. You're chewing on Scripture, and you're, you're rehearsing it to yourself, mulling it over with every bite, sucking all the goodness you can get out of the Word of God. Christian meditation is like marinades. You're meant to steep in it till the flavor of the truth penetrates all the way through your whole self. So, here's how you do it. You take a verse of Scripture something relatively small and concise and easy to remember. Write it down if you can't memorize it yet. Take out your card throughout the day. Read it over. Say it out loud. You'll be surprised how helpful that is in helping you memorize. Say it out loud. Murmur to yourself as you chew on the words. Try and restate it in your own language. Pick it apart. Turn each phrase into prayer. Praise God for what's promised. Ask for help to be obedient to what is commanded. Confess your faults as you fall short of what He requires. Pray uh, these truths for the people in your life. Ask the Lord to, to make them realities not only for you but for them also. Believe its promises and hold yourself accountable to stand where the Scriptures place you. Meditation. 
If you will, and notice how practical all of this is. If you will marry meditation to these other disciplines we've been talking about, especially memorization, you're going to see the last thing that the psalmist does starting to happen in your own heart and life. You see the last thing he does? Supplication, memorization, instruction, proclamation, exaltation, meditation, all of that leads to verse 16, recollection. Under a spiritual workout regimen like this one, the Word will start to have its way. It will start to leave its mark. And you'll find yourself able to say with the same confidence the psalmist shows us in verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Recollection, I'll never forget. It's etched now on my heart, in my mind. It's rooted deep in my affections. Nothing will dislodge it now. It's become a part of me forever. That's the path to keeping our ways pure. Do you see it? Whether you're young or old, seek the Lord with all your heart. Seek Him who came to seek and save you, even the Lord Jesus Christ. That's supplication. Store up His Word in your heart. Memorization. Ask for the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Word to your mind. Seek divine instruction. Speak the Word to others with your lips. Proclamation. Delight in the Word is more precious than all riches, than goods or kindred or this mortal life also. Exaltation, reflect on the Word every day. Marinate in it till its flavor penetrates to the core of who you are. Meditation. And if you'll do that, you will never forget it. Not just that it will be uh, present in your memory, but it will begin to reconfigure your mind and your heart and your appetites and your very self. Recollection. May God make it that way for all of us and give us grace to follow that seven-step workout program for growing in godliness. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your holy words. You have given us everything we need in it for life and for godliness. Please will You help us to love and prize it above all other riches, because it alone leads us to life in Jesus Christ. Hear our cries. Shape us and change us by the truth. Fulfill the prayer of Jesus Christ in our own lives and experience. Sanctify us by the truth. Your Word is truth. For we ask it in His name. Amen.